Jones steps up and buries it. This will be a wonderful goal. You're listening to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the ESPN Footy Pod. We're back for another week. We've had our semi-finals. We are hurtling towards the prelims and the grand final. It was a big weekend of footy, some cracking contests, some wild weather as well, which threw a lot of spanners into the works. But at the end of the day, we have our final four teams. We have our prelims, which means there is plenty to chat about and we cannot wait to take you through it all for today's episode you've got me marissa lodanik and sarah burt and before we get into all of the footy chat we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today the wurundjeri and bunurong people and pay our respects to their elders past and present so we had our two games of footy on saturday we had north melbourne beating the tigers by 36 points at punt road and the crows defeating the pies in the battle of the birds by two straight kicks at unley oval so they were two big games and they lead into another two big games but we'll review the weekend's action first and foremost so let's start with north and the tigers sarah It was a huge win from North. It was a real statement win, I think, from North as well. How did you see it? It was such a good game and I think that um, it was really exciting to see North really showing us what they're made of and we've seen that pretty consistently throughout the season, I think. Um, But they also sort of, as you say, it was a statement and um, they've even said themselves that they should, Darren Crocker has said, they felt like they should have finished higher on the ladder. And that, that performance 100% proved that. I felt sorry for the Tigers and I know we said it a couple of weeks ago that because they've improved so much, we wanted them to do well. And they did, to be honest. But I think possibly because they'd only met two weeks earlier, maybe they were a little bit, sorry, North were a little bit onto the Tigers. Um, and they did keep the same game style. They did tag Jazz Garner again. Meg McDonald tagged Jazz Garner again. And they were obviously aware of that. Um, and so clearly North had worked out that um, that was going to happen and how to get around it. And they did because Jazz had an absolute belter. So I think it was possibly because they had played so recently that's maybe where the Tigers came undone. But it was it was a really fantastic game and, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with the result. It it was a great game. It was huge. Obviously, Ghana, like you said, absolutely massive, 22 disposals, seven clearances, eight tackles, two goals, just real everywhere woman for the Ruse, which she usually is. But I feel like it was a real great game for all the usual suspects. So your Emma Carneys, your Jenna Bruttons, just everyone was doing what they had to do and doing it very, very well. So great stuff for the Ruse. Like you said, the comments from Darren Crocker really, I think, spoke volumes about where the Ruse actually are. And um, someone pointed it out, or it was in the um, the match report on the AFLW website where um, the writer, I can't remember who it was, pointed out that North were the only team to actually have played the rest of the finalists throughout the season And in a weird way that negatively impacted them and that's how they ended up in eighth position and it was, I suppose, just another really glaring failure of the compromised season, the really, really short season that we have where not everyone plays everyone once. So you don't have 
a true and accurate indication of how good or how bad teams actually are. But we won't get into the nitty-gritty of that conversation just now. I just thought it was very interesting that North really are playing like a top four side and maybe they should have been a top four side ultimately, but it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, as we said, it's not an even fixture at the moment. Oh, sorry, that's Tilly. It's not an even fixture at the moment and it probably won't be for a while now because we know with the CBA it's unlikely that the fixture length will get changed. So that means with 18 teams now, they're not all going to play each other. But something that was, I think, probably we all sort of suspected that North would win, but Richmond were just flogged by injuries. And again, though, that probably shows us that they're not as physically fit as North. Um, It could also just be bad luck. But that was something I think also that probably favoured North. Um, Emma Carney was back as well. So that's probably something that that really helped. Sorry about the dog. Um, the other thing with the tag on Jazz is that Meg McDonald was was on the bench um, getting an injury assessed for a little bit of time. So um, that sort of gave her free reign for a bit and, and she had a belt over those few minutes then. So um, I think there was a few things that fell into North's favour, but looking at the score we know they would have won anyway so um as you say it's interesting but I also think that the position that you finish on the ladder in AFLW is less important than it is for the men's when we're looking at draft prospects and and picks and all of that sort of thing there is so much movement with expansion I mean I know we won't have expansion again but there's so much player movement and probably will be for a while still um it's it, it affects it less. So I'm not sure that they need to be too worried about where they finished on the ladder. They're in finals. They're here. They're proving themselves. So um, maybe we don't even really need to worry about that because for now it probably will mean more like it does in the men's competition further down the track. But for now, just you got into finals, you're here, you're proving yourselves, and that's really all that matters, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. Um, I suppose just quick word on Richmond's season, although they'll be undoubtedly disappointed that they've gone out in straight sets, the improvement that we saw from this team has been otherworldly. They've been absolutely phenomenal across this season. The hot girl hot streak, just fun, exciting footy from the Tigers. And you can only imagine that they'll be better for the experience, which is obviously not what they want to hear right now. It's like telling your friend after a breakup, oh, there'll be someone else. They don't want to hear that right now. They're just sad that they've lost these games. But um, I really, I am really excited in the same way I'm excited for Geelong next season. I'm excited to see what Richmond does and how much more they can kind of grow and what we will see from them in season 2023. Well, I think Richmond should be really proud of themselves because, to be honest, I don't think there was a lot of people, and this isn't meant to be a plight on them, but I don't think many people really saw them going the whole way this season because we've seen we've seen how the other teams play. We've seen teams with experience like the Crows and Brizzy and Melbourne. Um, but Richmond, they've, they've been playing infinitely better, as you said. It's skyrocketed, but they haven't been playing like a team that can win the grand final. So... They've got to know that and surely they've been honest with themselves. It's really exciting for the first time to make finals and and they've done that. So you you sort of have to take 
the good with the bad and they need to take these small wins because they have vastly improved and who knows they might they might pick up a few amazing players and really gel because we've seen that they've really gelled this year and that's something that has made all the difference um so i think they i think they need to be happy with where they're at and be really proud of themselves because they have really improved. They've had the same coach for five years now and clearly it's going well. So um, I think I think we should all be proud of Richmond. I think they should be proud of themselves. But I think um, on the day it was the right outcome. I think it's what we all expected. Um, and I think I think North, obviously, as we've said, are really deserving of, of moving forward. So I don't think Richmond should be too hard on themselves because I think by the standards that we've seen so far in the league and how long they've been in there, that they've done a really, really good job. A hundred percent agree with that one. Let's talk about the other semi-final. Uh, for a brief moment on Saturday afternoon, Wet and Wild was located at Unley Oval. It was wet and it was wild. It was insane we had the lightning we had absolute deluge of rain there was a 73 minute delay all up half an hour before the game started and then 43 minutes at quarter time but in amongst all of that we did get some footy and the crows came out victorious is this another situation where kind of expected the crows to win in a similar way we expected north i think so yes it's um it was insane and i think something that <laughs> was really um probably just through the players was that it was delayed by half an hour and half an hour isn't much and all of that but when you get into finals territory everything is planned by the minute you get there at the time knowing when you're going to warm up when you're going to start and the players had just run out onto the field to start their warm up when they were told that the game was delayed so again you have to keep yourself warm. You have to deal with all of that. And I think that's, we talk a lot about Adelaide's advantage, even if they were structurally um, and skillfully a worse team than Collingwood, they've got the experience, and um, which they're not, but they've got that experience, that finals experience. They don't have the nerves. They don't have that sort of um, lack of preparation or, or experience, basically. Um, and so I think it would have put um, Collingwood off. The other thing is Collingwood were sort of resting on Slicer and Rowe to see if they would even come into the side. And it's hard to know. I mean, I'm sure that they wouldn't have put them in if they weren't fit to play, but it's hard to know if it was a normal week, whether they may have rested them, but they did bring them back in. And for people like that, things like the warm-up and then once you're warm, staying warm and once you've started playing, not stopping, that's really important, particularly for knee injuries. So for them, once the game was delayed and they'd already warmed up and they had to wait around, that's a real concern. And then, as I'm sure we'll talk about, they played the first quarter and then it got delayed by 45 minutes again. And that is when it's a real issue because you've already played, you're already warm, you're at your peak ready to go and to just stop like that when you've got an injury it's really it's not ideal at all and you almost think I was actually quite surprised that they both came back out because you almost want to be really really careful with the stop start nature of that particularly when it's a knee 
and we know the history of knees in AFLW. So I think that was probably another thing. And then you don't know if that affected the way they were playing because maybe they were being extra careful, possibly mentally they were aware that they weren't at their peak physical fitness. And these are two players that are probably the two of the best runners in their team. Um, and that was possibly an area that Collingwood were falling out on a bit. Um, so, you know, like there's a lot of factors in there, even though it's just weather and we know that you can't control it. Things like that really do affect the actual play out of the game. So um, it was wild and it was a total spectacle for all of us. But when you take into consideration how that actually affects the well-being of the players, it doesn't surprise me that the result was a team that have played four finals. I think the the physical considerations are really important, obviously, but I really do think this game was probably won mentally as well. Not to say, not suggesting in any way that Collingwood are a mentally weak team, but you think about what the Crows have gone through all the work they've done in finals, winning grand finals. It wouldn't surprise me if in a, in a way they won that mental battle and were able to handle the curveballs of the day better. Um, and then obviously in order, or in addition to winning the mental battle, you have to play the actual physical game and do all of that stuff, make sure that you keep it warm, like you said. Um, but, yeah, I really do think this game really came down to mental toughness and just being able to be adaptable, being able to be flexible, um, not getting bogged down in, well, this was my game day routine and it's been thrown out the window. How am I meant to handle this? Like making sure that they had that flexibility and were able to kind of roll with the punches, go with the flow, other phrases of that nature basically. But um, really, yeah, the the weather played a role, a very big role in all of this. But unsurprisingly, the Crows were just able to get it done because that's the kind of team they are. And Hatchard really grew into the game and was able to finish with 24 disposals. She wasn't really supported by Marinoff because uh, she was tagged out of the game by Ashlyn Sheridan, who did a great job. If we're talking about the two kind of tagging matchups um, over this past weekend, one was really effective and one wasn't, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it's... <laughs> It feels a little bit like even though I've said I don't think the Crows are going to win this season, there's always that element of they're the Adelaide Crows. Of course they're going to do well in AFLW, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, not surprised to see that they ended up winning. But um, lots of bright spots for the Pies, I think, and hopefully with everyone back at full fitness, things will kind of continue to click into gear for them heading into next season. I think, yeah, it's hard because... The, um, the Crows do have, sorry, not the Crows, the Ma- I'm getting my birds confused. The Magpies, <laughs> they've got this, just this curse following them. And I'm calling it a curse because I firmly believe that they as a team have been good enough to make a grand final in the past six years. I genuinely believe that. And they keep just missing out. They made finals like four or five times, but they just cannot get to the final hurdle. And it's, it's, I think, a really good thing for their confidence that they were able to still make finals without Britt Benici and Bree Davey because they're probably the most two most prolific players and we know that when they're in the side, it's, it's a pretty scary setup. So if they did have them, 
possibly they may have won. As we said, that game probably was won sort of more mentally because it, people probably got pretty psyched out and with their injuries, that was unfortunate. But I think it's a really positive thing because you can see how they easily could have made it through to prelims and they're a really, really strong side. So it'll be really exciting in the off-season to see where the list goes and who plays on. Um, and if they manage to keep sort of the same core squad, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them go further next year and they will be desperate for it because I know that they feel like they're cursed with this getting into finals and then and then just falling out. So I think, again, I know I said it for the Tigers, but I think the Magpies should be proud of themselves um, because they have done really well without two of their most prolific players. They absolutely should, but... Let's look ahead to these prelim finals that we have coming up. It's Brisbane and Adelaide on Friday night at Metricon. It, it's always Brisbane and Adelaide. That just seems like the story of the history of the AFLW, to be honest. But let's talk about who's winning, why is Brisbane getting that second premiership that they so desperately want, or are Adelaide, you know, getting closer to two premierships in a calendar year, which is a bananas thing to think about. I I have to say Brisbane because since day one, podcast one, tipping week one, I've said Brisbane in a win. But no, I'm actually, all my other tips have been totally have gone to God. So um, I, I don't need to try and protect myself there. But I, I genuinely do think Brisbane. Um, and the reason for that is that this season, it actually does look very different for Adelaide. They've had their standout players have been different. Their structure has been different. They've had to adapt to a lot of different things. They haven't got straight through to prelims this year. They've had to fight for their spot. As we said, it hasn't always been total smooth sailing. It hasn't been just the total Adelaide Crows show. So I think that Brisbane getting straight through to the prelims is a really good sign. And I think that I I just genuinely think that they they can do it. Their defense is really strong. They don't have that many niggling injuries. Um, they've been playing a similar game the whole season, and it's worked. I don't think they're worried about getting found out. And I think the Crows um, they've probably just got a little bit more work to do. So um, I am excited to see it, but I am tipping Brisbane. What about you? I am also firmly on the Lions train, to be honest. Um, but my thing is always with, like, heading into prelims, and it's the same with the men's game, I'm always thinking, does the extra break help these teams or does it hinder them? Because there's arguments that can be made for, you know, you let your players recharge, rest, any sort of niggling injuries can get a, a week's worth of rest. Um, and you kind of come back rejuvenated, but there's also the argument that could be made that maybe you lose a little bit of momentum and um, things slow down if you're not in motion in a weird kind of way. So that's always the question for me for the teams that do have the extra week off. But I just, I, I've been so impressed by the Lions the entire season that I can't see anything really stopping them. Um and as for the Crows, even though we know they're a championship team and they should get Chelsea Randall back, which will obviously be a huge boost for them, I just can't see them defeating 
the Lions. I can't see them matching whatever the Lions produce. And based on what the Lions have produced at certain points throughout this season, it is high-scoring footy and very, very stingy defensive footy at the same time. So I can't see Adelaide finding a way past that, which, um, to be fair, I think matches my kind of pre-season prediction that there was – there was no chance that Adelaide weren't going to make finals, in my opinion, but I also didn't think they were going to win another premiership just because of the way things were. So I feel pretty comfy that, uh, yeah, Brisbane will win at at Metricon because that stadium is available this weekend. We'll talk a little bit about stadiums um, later. Uh, shall we talk about the other prelim final? We've got Melbourne and North Melbourne at Icon Park on Saturday afternoon. Um, and we spoke about it a little bit earlier with how North 8th place doesn't really reflect who they are. Um, so it's second v 8th technically. Do you think it's going to be a second v 8th-esque battle, if that makes sense? No, I don't. Um, I, If we're asking for tips again, I do think the Demons will win but I don't think that it's going to be a total blowout at all. Um, We've seen them play before and, I mean, I think they have the potential, the way they structure their play, and it depends how they go because we haven't seen North Melbourne play in a lot of finals recently. I think that we... They have the potential to play pretty similar game styles. They've got Emma Carney back. Um, they've obviously got Jazz Garner, who cannot be stopped, but I don't think you can beat um, the depth of the midfield in Melbourne. And I think when you have people like Kate Hoare, um, Lily Mithen, obviously Daisy, um, but Daisy seems to be taking a bit more of a backseat and sort of trying to, I don't know if that is um, a conscious effort and she's maybe trying to give other people a go, but during finals we know that they will all absolutely bring their A-game. And if we learn anything from um, the first season this year, they'll be absolutely giving it everything they've got. Again, not to bring up um, old headlines, but likely likely will be Daisy's last game or, oh, sorry, last game, second last game, or maybe second last season. Um, but... Either way, we know that she's got a job with Geelong coaching in the program um, through the AFL. That has to, she's guaranteed two years um, between now and 2025. So that really only only leaves a gap for maybe one more season. So I'd be surprised if she doesn't hang up the boots. And I just think that we've probably got a bit of a fairytale finish here. I think think they are um, going to get through. Um, And if they do, Mark my words, I think it's going to be a very, very, very close grand final between them and Brisbane. I absolutely agree with that. Um, I sincerely hope that this audio does not come back and bite us in the bum in a couple of weeks' time. (laughs) Um, It wouldn't surprise me if it happens. (laughs) Um, But honestly, like, 
I think the one thing that I can say with like certainty across the last three games of this season is that I do think they will all be really close encounters and this D's and North clash is absolutely a part of that as well. The D's won by two points when they played during the season. So I I see it as a an even contest and even though um, Melbourne have definitely improved, like they just got stronger and better and more aggressive as the season progressed. North really have ended this season with a bit of momentum. The fact that they were able to like hold off Geelong in that first week of finals showed that they've obviously got the kind of defensive solidity that they need, but then putting on the big score against Richmond showed that they've also got the attacking flair. So I think North definitely have momentum behind them, um, which is it does count for something, even though it's a weird sort of intangible thing. But, I, yeah, I just – for me, Brisbane and Melbourne have been the two best teams all season. So to see anyone other than them two in the grand final would be a little bit of a shock, if I'm being completely honest. But, yeah, like I said, it's going to be two absolutely cracking games this weekend and I cannot wait to watch them. But we're both in agreement Melbourne and Brisbane should be winning this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that. We might be that. scrambling to delete this on Saturday night. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, it could. It could be very fun. Look, that's the thing. I don't mind being wrong because that means we got a bit of drama, we got a bit of chaos, we got a little bit of fun footy. So uh, it would be very interesting. These two seasons, if twenty twenty two has taught us anything about AFLW, it's that it's full of drama. There has just been this. Hasn't this year just been wild? We're in our second season of the entire year, it's just, it's nuts. Aaron Phillips doesn't play for Adelaide anymore. Who would have thought that would ever happen? Daisy Pierce might be retiring. We've seen Bree Davies done her ACL. We have just seen so much drama this year. It's actually insane. So for it to have a dramatic end would absolutely just cap off one of the wildest years we've ever seen. It genuinely would. And sorry, you just reminded me. I was thinking about it last week. I don't think I mentioned it on the pod, though. Um, I was watching the Brisbane game last week and Kate Lutkins was running around and I'm like, you did your knee earlier in the year and you're playing finals? What? It it was like the best kind of surprise because obviously we love to see players coming back from the knee injuries, but there was just that moment of like, this is insane. I love it. I love this I thought that was quick. Like she's obviously had a pretty quick recovery or really worked really hard, I assume, but um, it seems like a pretty quick recovery. And I suppose that's maybe one of the things, one of the narratives around having bringing one, the season forward to have the second one was, A, that people had already asked for all their favours from their jobs and the rest of their lives, so it would be really tricky for them to do that. B, all the Irish players normally would go home. Um, to play Gaelic or just to go back to their families and so it would be tricky for them Mm. and three that everyone that had done their ACLs which is normally a 12-month recovery period wouldn't be available for two seasons but it's so nice to see some of those injured players slowly filtering back in it's um it's a really positive thing because it would have been a really hard year mentally and physically for them to sit that out and particularly to miss the first season when there's all 18 teams it would be I think we probably don't don't talk about that enough, but you're right. It's um, it's exciting to see them coming back. It's very, very exciting. Um, we're gonna finish just quickly with 
um, some more venue nonsense is what I am calling it. Um, listeners will probably be very familiar with my thoughts and feelings on the Punt Road semi-final. I also wrote about it for ESPN.com.au because I just had a lot of feelings. Um, but it seems like the fun doesn't stop uh, with the grand final venue selection. So uh, at this stage, if Brisbane win on the weekend, uh, there's a well, not a very good chance. They will not be able to play this game at the Gabba, nor will they be able to play it at Metricon. Um, so if they want to play it in Queensland, the most likely option is looking like Kazali Stadium up in Cairns, um, which is a choice. Um, and then I think I saw an article today or yesterday that also floated the idea of Marvel Stadium down here, regardless of who... Uh, the top-ranked team is. So um, Harrow and I had some very strong thoughts last week about venues, so now it is your turn to have some very strong thoughts about venues and the grand final decision-making. Are you just, like, bemused, I suppose, more than anything else, that things like this are happening in a professional sporting competition? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think... If you are going to fast track a professional sporting code and make them play two seasons in one year, at least check the bloody booking system or whatever you have to do to make that a possibility. The thing that I find wild, because I know people are going to come for us and say it's a profession, where, where, they won't fill it out, whatever. The AFL own Marvel. Right, I know you have to pay staff. I know, I know that that money still comes out of their pockets, obviously, because they own it. But surely, at some point or another, you make an announcement early in the season and say, "We understand that it's." We don't want to use the word unprecedented, triggered us all, but it is. There's people would understand if the conversation had come up eight weeks ago, twelve weeks ago, and they said. It's not an option. It's the cricket season. The men's season's just wrapped up. So the final will be here. Or we will have it in Melbourne because that's what we do for the men's and it's the only venue available unless you want to play in 40 degrees in camp. But none of that has been communicated. So I think, again, the problem is that it's not that these venues are unavailable because I think we all understand that they they can't, physically remove cricket team from from these venues. They've booked it and they have just as much right to play as the women's AFLW team does. But to not have communicated it to people and to fans is really, it's a bad look. And, I mean, if you know that the grand final is going to be in Melbourne or, you know, wherever, you're going to be out of plan to get there. And, um, I mean, I know people don't know if their team's going to be in it or not, but at least for the men's, everyone knows, okay, my team might have a chance. I'm probably going to be at the MCG on that weekend in September. And I'm not suggesting that we do this as a long-term solution at all. I think absolutely, in my opinion, I think every team does earn their right to a home grand final. Um, But... Weirdly, I have a bit of a different opinion on what happened last week because I think capacity um, is a different issue. I think 
you should have it at the biggest stadium possible in your home city. I think it eliminates people travelling, but I don't think you need to have it at your home ground. That is my opinion. So I just think the fact that it hasn't been communicated um, that these are the options, I think that is what bothers me. What do you think? I think it's a really good point, to be honest. It's the the communication factor. It's the the seeming lack of thought and planning and then by extension respect for the AFLW um, that just seems to be absolutely missing. Like can you imagine in any, well, especially in the men's comp, but in any other competition, just not knowing where your showpiece game of the entire season is going to be played because no one thought to maybe look a few weeks ahead and suss what was going on. Um, Everyone everyone in Australia knows you get to a certain point of the year and cricket takes over a lot of venues. So they would have known that the Gabba would be unavailable and that, well, that's the reason the Gabba's unavailable. Concerts and the like is the reason why Metricon can't be used. Those things are usually, you know, announced about a year in advance as well. So the fact that just no one seemingly looked at the calendar, no one had any sort of uh, pre-planning, forethought, anything of that kind of, um, anything in that sort of ballpark, that's what blows my mind because the women women in these competitions don't deserve to be treated like an afterthought or something that is, you know, lastminute.com on their to-do list. Um, it, it just it blows my mind. And it's not just obviously the players and the coaches and the clubs and the staff, it's fans as well. It's it it really bothers me and it blows my mind. And I'm really glad that you mentioned last week's situation as well, because I admit that it could sound like we're contradicting ourselves, but they are different situations. And at the core of the issue last week was also just bizarre decision-making and a weird... The club was was dominating that decision, whereas this is the AFL is not making a call. Yeah. Um, The other thing I learnt was that apparently in AFLW, clubs handle finals up until the grand final and then the AFL takes over where the AFL handles all of the men's finals. Um, And again, that was offered as an explanation, but my first thought was why, why, why is that the case? I, I don't understand. And there's been a lot of explanations offered very last minute. And after a lot of questions have been asked, but they don't seemingly answer any of the actual concerns raised. Um, so well, yeah, Richmond's I'm... home ground advantage went well for them, didn't it? <laughs> so the the <laughs> urge to be petty um, raged within me, but at the end of the day, like part of me was like the result almost didn't even matter because they were going to make their decisions regardless of what happened. It was just a shame that this is how it all went down because even if Richmond had won, it was like, okay, congrats, only 2,800 people saw you win. congrats on like limiting a really huge moment in your club's history um so yeah my thing is just the fact that over these past two weeks things have been done which are seemingly just really last minute really lacking in thought and preparation for a season that everyone's kind of known about for 
months, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's the really frustrating thing, not just for us as fans, but for the players, for the clubs, for staff, for everyone involved. It just really kind of um, smacks of disrespect. Yeah. And so at this point, like eight, day, nine days out, and we've only got a couple of minutes left, left, but at this point, nine days out, what should the AFL do right now? They should. <laughs> They should make a decision, but they've also decided that they're going to wait until and they're going to wait until they find out who is actually playing in this grand final. Um, and unfortunately, I can see the logic in that, but I'm just like we didn't have to get to this point. We could have made decisions earlier. Um, I really do think if Brisbane win, they do deserve to play it at a venue that will suit them and suit their fans. Um, It's just a shame that all of the possible options don't really seem to do that at the moment. I do like your thought about um, Marvel and making that a kind of big event. At least, you know, people have over a week's notice to plan things, plan their lives, book flights, all of that kind of stuff. Um, But, yeah, I just don't think it's it's not good for... um, the competition as a whole that we're leaving at so last minute. No. Venue uh, concerns aside, it is going to be a great weekend of footy because these players always do deliver the goods and we're very lucky that at a minimum there will be two excellent games of footy this weekend and a cracking grand final in a couple of weeks' time. So obviously we cannot wait to talk all about it. Remember, all of our AFLW stuff is over on ESPN.com.au and make sure to get your tips in. See you all next week. Don't miss another episode of the ESPN Footy Pod by subscribing wherever you stream your podcasts.